I'm Jenny Brockbank, and a few years ago, I woke up to the fact that my life was a disaster. My husband was struggling with addiction, and my normal ways of addressing hard things simply weren't working. I needed a new lens and found hope in various new tools, but I wondered, were these based on righteous principles? Could I find examples in the scriptures? Were they Christ-like? What I've been learning has surprised me, and I'm turning over more proverbial rocks to learn about healing in Christ's light. Won't you come learn with me? Welcome to Healing in Christ's Light. I'm Jenny Brockbank, and I am so grateful to have you join me, and I'm looking forward to learning more about how Jesus Christ heals us. Anyone who would like to learn more about healing with the Savior is welcome here, and this program might largely be beneficial to those who have experienced hard circumstances due to a loved one's actions of abuse, addiction, adultery, and or abandonment. And I'll refer to this as 4A behavior. Here's a brief intro into why I'm curious about the subject of why experiencing 4As isn't the fault of the person on the receiving end. And that's not to say, to be clear, that we're perfect. We're not perfect. We have things that we can improve on and learn. And that type of behavior is not the fault of the person receiving it. So my husband has struggled with sex addiction for over three decades, and I'm really excited, by the way, to ask him some questions here in a moment. Uh, but I started this journey with strong misunderstandings about doctrine, my role in my husband's recovery, and how healing can happen. In fact, I thought that I could for sure fix him. <laughs> Maybe you relate. Maybe some of you do. As I share the following, it's important that I also state that I have a lot of self-compassion as to how and why I came to these misunderstandings. I strongly misunderstood my role in his healing and unintentionally tried to be his savior by trying to control the atmosphere in our home, by restoring trust immediately after apologies without seeing changed behavior, so the trust had not really been earned and I confused forgiveness with trust. I also um, went as far as to make sure that I was home when he was home, which made me like this self-made jailer for myself and others. And being intimate with him whenever he wanted and more was also there. I also did things like looked at the women that he was looking at and, and tried to see if I could maybe do my makeup more like them or my hair or something like that or or clothes so that he would be more faithful to me. The question today is, why did I do this? And why do I still have a, this pull to do this sometimes? And why do many of us try to save our loved ones from themselves? While there are several reasons why this could be, I've kind of boiled it down, for me at least, to one thing. And it's this, I have mistakenly thought that if my loved one's behavior is my fault, then if I can just fix whatever about myself, then the other person will act differently. It's a way to feel false empowerment over my circumstances. Friend, if you relate, then I am sending you so much love and empathy. I wish that I could reach through my microphone and hug you. I know that this is hard. My heart sees you and more importantly, 
the Savior understands. Common behaviors of those of us on the receiving end of 4A type behavior uh, that we might engage in might include things like we might rescue them financially, or perhaps we keep their secrets and we don't get the help that we need. Or maybe we just don't set the boundaries that are needed because we want to be peacemakers. All of these things are normal responses. They are threaded with righteous desires. And if you've been in the battle like I have for a while, you will come to see, like I have, that they are not lasting solutions. They might even work for a time, and eventually they don't work. They don't work anymore. And what I've come to see is also there are different ways, better ways, more Christ-centered ways to focus on solutions for these problems. A good awakening happened for me when I came to understand that my husband's struggles were not because of anything that I had or had not done. This applies to you, too. This understanding was very painful because I could see that I had exerted a lot of unnecessary effort that hadn't fixed the problem and sometimes had even enabled my husband's behavior. Also, I had tried to control things that weren't in my purview. The relief was so great when I could finally put down that heavy boulder that I was trying to carry that, oh, if I could just fix this or this or this, this would be better. And to instead practice handing my loved one over to the Savior. It turns out I have no power to save, but the Savior does. I've not fully arrived at learning how to do this well, and I am still learning. As such, I decided to ask my husband to join us today. In truth, I consider it brave and vulnerable for him to let me ask him some questions publicly, and I appreciate his willingness to share his thoughts. I'm so grateful to welcome Bart Brockbank to the program. Hello, Barticus. Thank you so much for joining me. Hi. Hi. Okay, I have a question for you. In order to set the stage, I'm wondering if you'd just take a few minutes and recap your story a little bit. Sure. So I was introduced to pornography and masturbation when I was about the age of nine. And over the years, it progressively became a more and more frequent occurrence, more and more frequent use. And I would hide it from people. I I hid it from my parents. I hid it from religious leaders. But I would also try and seek it out at any opportunity that I could. It continued to get worse until about the time that I was ready to go on a mission. And at that point, I stopped looking at pornography and and masturbating for, for a time. Went on my mission. And during my mission, I started to struggle again. And to be clear, like, From just to go back a little bit, because I feel like you've told me that you did sometimes confess and you did try to get help, but you felt kind of stuck in it. Does that seem right? Yeah, there were times when when I would confess. It was really difficult because as a kid growing up, it seemed like if you confessed to having a problem, then you got in trouble. Mm. And if you lied about it and said, 
no, I don't have a problem. Then there was no question about it. You know, they, they didn't like push you on it and you'd get your temple recommend. You'd get your recommend to go to the church dances. You were able to participate in all of the, you know, priesthood ordinances and you were able to participate in all of the activities that young men and women want to participate in. And you're talking about as being a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, right? Yes. Okay. Gotcha. Okay. So you, we were back to the point where you were on a mission and you were starting to struggle again. Yeah. So I started to struggle and my mission president found out about it and he talked to me and he worked with me for the rest of my mission to try and help me work through it and overcome it. And after my mission, I got home and had access to the internet pretty much for the, for the first time. Having that access increased my use of pornography uh, exponentially. And with the pornography came the, the masturbation, the acting out. It progressively continued to get worse until I moved to Arizona. Mm. Um, when I moved to Arizona, I was able to, to stop looking at pornography. I stopped masturbating and did really well while I was down there. And that's when I met my wife. Hello. <laughs> did really well and was feeling really pretty good about my situation felt at that point like I had overcome it and I thought that it was behind me. When we got engaged, I moved back up to Washington State with my parents and it was shortly after that that I started looking at pornography again and acting out. Um, and I didn't know, right? Yes, and Jenny did not know. Yeah. When we got married, I made a commitment to stop, and I did for about the first three to six months, trying to remember. Anyway, the first part of our marriage, um, I was able to, to avoid and, and stay away from pornography and masturbation. Um, but it wasn't very long into our marriage that it started creeping back into my life, and I started viewing pornography and acting out again. From that point, the behavior continued and sometimes would get better, sometimes would get worse. Sometimes there were periods of time when I would, when I would stop for months. The longest period that I went during our marriage was two years, but it always ended up creeping back into my life. It made things very hard for our family. It made it hard for me. Um, when I was acting out, I was not a very nice person. Um, I could be very irritable, very upset. I could yell, swear, and really be emotionally and verbally abusive to people. Thank you for sharing all of that. I really appreciate it. I know that it's a vulnerable thing to do, and it's humbling that you would do that with me and uh, publicly. So very, very cool of you. Thank you. And um, I want to move into a little bit, because what, what I find is, is that 
spouses of those with destructive behaviors or family members of those with destructive behaviors or friends, we take on us like the responsibility. They must be acting that way because of me. And so I want to ask you a question. Did you act out ever because I was not enough or I was too much? Either of those. I did not. My acting out behavior, and I've I've told Jenny this before, it really had nothing to do with her. I love Jenny with all my heart. And it it tears me up that I have done things that have been hurtful to her and that have caused her trauma and and hurt over the years. But honestly, none of my acting out behavior has been because of anything that she has done or has not done. I really appreciate you sharing that. Thank you. I just want to point out that over over the years, as I've learned about this, I've come to just kind of wake up to the fact that really what I was trying to do when I was trying to, to save and rescue you, that I was trying to be your savior. And, you know, only Jesus Christ can be the savior. Like, I cannot do that. And and this is a scripture from Alma 34, verse 10. For it is expedient that there should be a great and last sacrifice, yea, not a sacrifice of man, neither of beast, neither of any manner of fowl. For it shall not be a human sacrifice, but it must be an infinite and eternal sacrifice. And I have a friend that pointed this scripture out to me that I can't be my husband's savior. I I can't save you. You know, I can't save anyone, not even really myself. That is the job of somebody who the only being who is qualified to offer an infinite and eternal sacrifice, which isn't, isn't any of us. So I think that's tricky because we also have to learn to not control, you know, and to, to give our loved one to the Savior instead of trying to fix the problem ourselves and control the issues. So I just want to tell you that I recognize that I have tried to be a Savior. I have tried to drag you at times when when um, I feel like I should have given you to God or let you make your own choices and implement boundaries and participated in soul care, <laughs> you know, yeah. so that I was more emotionally regulated. And I want to do do better that I'm practicing doing better at that. And I love you and thank you for being patient with me as I have learned that. Thank you. And I love you too. So I have a question for you. When I started to get healthier and I started to do, you know, work my own recovery and things, um, what kinds of things did I do that were helpful for you? Some of the things that, that you did that were really helpful for me. You know, I hate to say it, but probably the biggest thing was for you to institute boundaries. You having Mm -hmm. healthy boundaries in place made it so that I had to be more accountable. I had to be responsible for for my actions. And I wasn't able to just turn the tables on you and, and try and make it seem like it was your fault that something was happening or or to try and make it seem like whatever whatever you perceived was going on wasn't 
accurate. You know, I couldn't gaslight you. I couldn't. As well. Yes. <laughs> as well. I'll throw that yes, in there. as well. <laughs> yeah. And um, having those healthy boundaries really helped me better see what behaviors I needed to change. Thank you for sharing that. And that's validating. When um, family members first start putting in boundaries, it's so foreign to somebody struggling with destructive behaviors that they're like, oh, you know, often flailing, you know, trying to figure out. And, and that was the case for you where you were you were really distressed because it was something brand new and it was new for me, too. Can you speak to that? That was a hard process to start learning that, wasn't it? Yeah. Learning to accept boundaries, learning how to implement boundaries in healthy ways was a really difficult process. I remember feeling like um, when you first started putting boundaries in, I felt like it was just you trying to punish me. And And to validate that a little bit, when when I was brand new at it, there was probably some of that in there. Like I didn't know what I was doing, right? And so I wasn't the healthiest about doing it and it was just a brand new thing. So just to validate that there probably was some, some like boundary consequence. <laughs> yeah. Well, and we were both learning and, you know, I even got to the point where I, I started trying to implement boundaries myself and, uh, I, I was worse off than you were trying to set some of my early boundaries and, uh, true story. They, they were very manipulative and self-serving. But I think it's okay that we're trying, right? We were trying yeah. really hard and have fine-tuned things a bit and and are doing better at least as as we practice. Yeah. And it is interesting to to learn how boundaries work and how they can actually make a relationship healthier. And it's not even just, mm. you know, a relationship with your spouse. It it can be any relationship, relationship with your friends, coworkers, family, um, extended family. You know, having healthy boundaries mm-hmm. really helps provide a better life for us because we're able to know what we expect and other people are able to know what we expect of them and what to expect of us. I love that. I guess that kind of leads me to my my next question, which is, how would you encourage family members and loved ones of those who have destructive behaviors to support them? What would support look like? And you already address boundaries. So I, I love that. And we're going to take that with us here. What else would you encourage them to do? Um, I think one of the big things is to help them feel loved. One of the things that I struggled with um, and still do struggle with is feeling worthy of being loved because we get so caught up in our behavior and then we beat ourselves up for it and we tell ourselves how horrible of a person we are and how if people knew what we were doing, they would just hate us. They wouldn't want anything to do with us. So I think that feeling that love from people who are close to us is is important. I also... Well, and a question about that then. 
um, because we're talking about boundaries and then love too, right? So yeah. it gets a little confusing as to how that can look. Do you have thoughts about that, about um, how people can still express love but have boundaries in place? Yeah, just because somebody has to put in strong boundaries doesn't mean that they don't love the person that they're putting boundaries in for. Yay, um, true. You may be in a situation where things have gotten really bad and you, you know, for example, say you have to put in a uh, boundary to do a, an in-home separation or maybe something more drastic than that. From the addict side, it initially is going to feel like they're being punished and that mm -hmm. they're not loved and that things are just pretty much as bad as they could get. But if you can show them that the boundary is not meant to be a punishment, but is a chance to give them the opportunity to try and correct behaviors mm -hmm. and that you're giving them that chance because you love them and you still mm -hmm. want to try and work things out. I think that that can go a long way in helping the the addict or the person struggling with pornography to be able to or other destructive behaviors yes or other destructive I'll just behaviors add. to to start to understand and and realize that okay this isn't because they want to get rid of me they're not just trying to to throw mm -hmm. me away they're trying to provide an opportunity for me to fix things while they stay safe, while they yes, get to while, protect themselves. while protecting themselves and, and keeping themselves safe from the addict's behaviors. I love that. I want to thank you for the opportunity that you've given me. And a few years ago, I came to you and I said, I just feel really strongly that I'm supposed to start a podcast about betrayal trauma. And here I was, I was only like two years into my own recovery, you know, and I was, I was terrified because was I. I had, it was a very, right. <laughs> it was a really strong prompting. And uh, the thing that um, has really meant a lot to me is, I mean, you really thought about it, you know, gave you some time to really think about it. And, and you finally came to me and said that you would be willing to let me share a story like that. And really I'm, I mostly share my story, but it does leave you as the, you know, the obvious person who, who um, I'm talking about. And one, thank you for that. That's really been humbling to me. Uh, but two, I would like to know why you were willing to do that, why you were willing to, to give me a voice and not only just give me a voice, but like right now I'm sitting in this amazing recording booth that you built me, <laughs> you know, that, that people um, have come who, who have, who are well qualified in audio engineering um, and have been very impressed with it. And 
and I am very impressed with it and very grateful for it. So why would you do that, you know, and give me a voice with something that leaves you so open, you know, and vulnerable? Yeah. So there's, there's several things that play into that. One, I really do love you and I want to support you in your endeavors. Um, Thank you. I love you too. Two, I have seen the devastation and hardship that, that people experience while dealing with somebody who is struggling with addiction. I have seen how sharing my story with other people who are struggling with addiction has helped them receive strength and listening to other people's experience has strengthened me. I just knew that there were people out there, mostly women who were struggling with betrayal of a spouse. I, I know that there's not good places for them to turn for support. And I wanted to allow you to share our story so that it could benefit other women who are struggling the way that you've struggled. Well, thank you. That is really humbling and I, I really appreciate it. I will link my, my other podcast in the show notes for anybody who's interested. The last thing that I want to ask you is this. How has healing in Christ's light helped you in your healing? For a long time, I felt like I had to, to do this on my own, that I couldn't trust other people. And I learned that as a kid, that I, I couldn't trust people and that I had to do things on my own. And dealing with addiction, that was my philosophy, that I had to do it alone. I remember I was sitting in a ARP meeting and we were talking about the atonement and somebody made a comment about how selfish it was of a person to think that God didn't have power to heal them, that they were so bad that the atonement didn't have place for them. And I remember thinking, man, that really is a lot of arrogance for a person to, to think that they've fallen so far that not even God himself has power to help them. That was the first time that I really started to look at how the atonement and how Christ could help me in my recovery. I started to, to gain a better understanding of the atonement, but it wasn't until a few years ago that I had gone through kind of a, a rough phase in my life and I was struggling with my testimony and had really gotten into a, a bad mental state regarding the church and the gospel. 
And I remember thinking back on that experience, remembering the, the feelings that I had about how arrogant it was to think that the God and the atonement and Christ couldn't help me. So I started having conversations while I was praying. I, I started having conversations with my Savior. I felt more confident and more at ease speaking to him as a brother. And so I started to, to ask God if I could just speak to, to Christ during my prayers. And I would, and I'd spend time just talking to him as a brother and as a friend. And as I did that, I started to develop a relationship with my Savior. And I started to gain a better understanding, at least for me, of who he was or who he is. My understanding of Christ has changed so much, and I see him as as such a different person than I did growing up, because we're taught, you know, that he's meek and humble and, and lowly, and, and those are aspects of who he is. I've come to understand that he is so much more than that. As I've gained a relationship with him, I have really been able to learn who I am and to understand how much I'm loved and to recognize that it doesn't matter how far I fall or how far from the gospel I stray, Christ is there for me. When I get to a point where I've turned my back or I've fallen away, when I'm ready and I turn back and decide I want to come back to the, to the Lord, He's there with his arms wide open, ready to receive me, ready to love me. And that love never changes. That's been a big blessing and a, and a source of strength for me. A special thanks goes out to Bart for his vulnerability in sharing. Because of his willingness to be open, this podcast is reality. Healing in Christ's Light can also be found on Instagram. Won't you come learn with me?